Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. The last time we saw Alicia was February 26th of 2019. I honestly did not see any signs of her being in despair or manic or any of the things that you would think that you would see. Her eyes were bright and happy. The night before we were talking, then she was just talking about things, just about life in general and stressors. And so the next day I called her in the morning to check in and she said I had just made breakfast and she had FaceTime with her husband and she was going to make her way to her psychiatrist appointment. I knew she was edgy, but I mean, when we hang up, she needed to sit into the car and drive to her doctor, which is 15 minute ride or something. So I was confident that she will make it to the doctor. That was what I was expecting. In 1993, while on vacation in the United States from his home in Switzerland, 21-year-old Martin Haupt meets Alicia Griffin, the girl of his dreams. Two decades later, living different lives on different continents, they find each other again. It's an epic love story that's tragically cut short when Alicia disappears on the way to a scheduled doctor's appointment. I'm Steve French, and this is Unsolved Mysteries. Where's Alicia? The first time when I saw Alicia, I was just amazed how beautiful she was. She has curly hair, lovely, lovely eyes. She's a little bit curvy. She's mixed race, half black, half white. I just arrived in San Francisco completely unprepared. I stayed overnight in a crappy hotel on mission and then the next day I started exploring San Francisco so I went to this bar. I sat down there, had a beer and then at a certain point Alicia came in and we started to chat a little bit and that was our first contact. This chance encounter with Alicia is the highlight of Martin's visit to the United States. To me, it was like a dream. We met the next day again, and then it just continued. We fell pretty much in love immediately. Alicia and Martin are inseparable for two weeks, until the bittersweet moment when Martin must board his flight home to Switzerland. For a few months, they write back and forth, 
but eventually the letters stop and they lose touch. Until 20 years later, in 2012. One day I had a friend request from Alicia Griffin. That was how it started again. And it gets pretty quick, quite intense again. I went over to San Francisco again to visit her for two weeks. And it was like there were no 20 years in between. There are not many people which you can see after years and years. And it is like it just continues like nothing was in between. Now in their 40s, Martin and Alicia don't want to lose each other again. It was clear for us both. We want to live together. We want to stay together. And she decided to come with me to Zurich. And then we married within three months. For Martin, it seems that nothing could possibly disturb their happy new life. But Alicia knows better. When she and Martin reconnected, Alicia shared with him that she suffers from bipolar disorder and she dreads the onset of another episode. She told me the first time that she has this bipolar thing and I was, what is she talking about? I had never any experience with a mental illness before in my life. I did not even know what bipolar means. When she told me, so I checked it on the internet and some people are lucky or they can handle it somehow and with other people it turns into a nightmare. Deeply afraid of ever hurting someone close to her, Alicia has adopted every available strategy to manage her illness. She takes her medication on schedule, she never drinks, and she practices yoga regularly. But despite her best efforts, Alicia suffers a frightening episode in Zurich, three months after her marriage to Martin. She became manic, and at a certain point she said she want to go back to the States. She booked a flight ticket, and on this flight back, it was sadly not a direct flight, so there was a stopover in Berlin, and in Berlin she got completely lost. Confused and alone at an unfamiliar airport, Alicia has an altercation with a man on a train platform, and she impulsively pushes him onto the track. No one is hurt, but Alicia is arrested and sentenced to four years in a Berlin prison. Martin visits her there every month until she's released and sent back to the States. Every year she was in there, it got worse. That was a nightmare what happened there. The years in Berlin took an incredible toll on Alicia. But in early 2018, now back with her family in California, Martin starts to see a huge improvement in the woman he loves. Right when she came home to Sacramento, she was like, she recovered very well and became back Alicia, the one I know. She was free again and she could do her stuff and she had her friends around her. She started to laugh again. Alicia's brother, Frank, and sister-in-law, Erin, see the same renewed sparkle in Alicia. When Alicia was staying with us, she and I had the opportunity to connect like we'd never been able to before. I was able to sit with her for hours and just talk and find out what's going on in her life, what's going on with Martin, what she wanted to do in the future. And 
I was able to start working with her and assisting her in looking for jobs and looking for places that she could afford in areas of Sacramento that she would want to live. You know, she had a lot of dreams and hopes for the future. Alicia was in good spirits when she left our house. Alicia moves in with Tressa Marai, a friend of more than 20 years. Tressa, a licensed mental health professional, is not only one of Alicia's best friends, but also a primary support figure for her. Alicia came to live with myself and my partner because she just felt like it would be a better location for her. She was planning to stay for a short period of time until she was able to get a place for herself or with her and Martin, her husband. That was our plan for 2018, yes. We were talking daily. We always talk daily. She was looking for jobs again. She had already interviews, doing some administration jobs. That was the plan. Settle down in Sacramento and then we can live finally together. Sadly, it didn't come that far. She had a plan. She was wanting to be healthy and wanting a future. And so that part of this is what makes me so sad. As Martin and Alicia make plans for his move to Sacramento, they speak on the phone every day. In one of their conversations, Alicia seems increasingly on edge, and Martin worries that a recent change in her medication is making her vulnerable to another bipolar episode. Alicia has an appointment with her psychiatrist in two days, and on the morning of the appointment, they talk again. The last conversation I had with her was, she was kind of provoking me, and this was the, the sign when she was edgy and when she needed her medication because that was not her character at all. She wasn't like that. She turned into a different person. Shortly after that phone call, Alicia leaves for her appointment, but she never shows up. In the years that I've known Alicia, she's had many episodes. She would go missing for a couple days and then she would turn back up. And in those times, it is a different Alicia. She seems sheltered. She seems like she wants to protect herself, not open and loving like she normally is. We were concerned, but at the same time felt like, well, this is just like the other times and she'll turn back up. But this episode is different. I was concerned immediately when I heard that she did not make it to her doctor's appointment. And so I immediately made a missing persons report because she didn't go to where she had planned to. So I knew that that impulsive behavior had to mean that things were not going well, especially because she had spoken with her husband about going to her, her doctor's appointment. The next time I talked to her, she was in a hotel in L.A. We were able to track her to L.A. because she had charged a large amount on a hotel room by the airport, by LAX, and it turned up on her dad's credit card. At that point, we tried to get the LAPD to do a welfare check, and we ran into all kinds of problems with that. And the hotel that she was checked into was not very helpful. I have still saved my text message to Alicia on March 1st stating, can you please call or go to emergency department as soon as possible? We're concerned. 
please contact us. Things aren't going well. It seems like you're having mania because she she appreciated people wanting to let her know if she wasn't well. And she's responded well to that before. And I said, please call. And I got a call and I heard a man in the background when I said, what are you doing? And he said, we're getting a hold of the bank. I didn't hear from her after that. And I texted her and said, I hear a man in the background. What's going on? Please get help. You're not doing well. We never heard back on any of the text messages. The Sacramento Sheriff's Department basically stated that she was an adult and has the ability to disappear if they want without there being a big deal made. And I even stated to them that she was bipolar and that she has a history of this and it's recorded and that I didn't understand why they wouldn't assist us. And they really didn't have anything for me. They said she's in our database and if she comes up, it will generate something for a police officer to contact us because she is missing and then we would contact you. Alicia's family and friends wait anxiously for an update on where she might be. Then, a call comes in from a man who has actually seen Alicia, 500 miles away in Mexico. We received a call from a gentleman who was an owner of this car wash in Tijuana. Alicia had shown up there acting erratic. They didn't know what was happening with her, but after Alicia had left, the gentleman went through her car and found a medical alert card, and my husband's father was on the card. So he contacted him to let him know that his daughter was acting erratically and that she was in Tijuana. So at that point, Frank's dad reached out to us and then we came in contact with the gentleman down there and got as much information as we could. We made arrangements to fly out from Sacramento that evening to San Diego. We were going to cross the border and start looking for her. The owner of the car wash had stated that Alicia was acting almost drunk-like. And she was attempting to get into other people's cars. And you have to understand this car wash is not like a normal car wash you would have in your local town where you drive your car through, it washes it, you come out, you can vacuum it out. You give them your car, it's on a street corner, and then you go and you just sit wherever you can sit and wait for them to wash and detail your car. So Alicia would be sitting on a chair and then she would get up and attempt to get in a car on the street. They had this little deli that was in the parking lot and they had given her an egg sandwich and a bottle of water to drink, thinking that maybe that would help her. And the next thing, you know, she was trying to climb into another person's car and they pulled her back and said, hey, we need you to sit down. The next thing they know, Alicia was gone. Where did Alicia go? Did she return to the States or travel deeper into Mexico? Or worse of all, did something happen to her in the high crime area near the car wash? 
I don't want to really think about scenarios. I just don't know. I just don't do that. If you think about scenarios, it just, it makes you desperate. My experiences with this illness, you know, Alicia, if she has no medication, then she's very vulnerable. It's just dangerous. When we went and crossed the border, we contacted the gentleman from the car wash and he basically told us to not go there at night because bad things happen in that area. What we decided to do is we drove by the location and we saw where her car was parked and then we drove around from there and we searched people sitting on the streets just people walking around. We just drove around for hours and we went to a couple of hospitals and took a missing poster that we had created before we had crossed the border and was asking if anyone with her description or looks like her had come into the hospital and they said no. With no sign of Alicia in the area, her family returns home. Weeks later... They get a call from a local detective who has spotted Alicia on security camera footage in a convenience store located just a few miles from the car wash in Tijuana. The video from the convenience store, she looked lost. She looked like she didn't know what she was doing. She walked in the frame of the video and was standing there and kind of looked around and then took a drink of something like a soda or a water and then just walked out of the frame. Her look was just blank. That haunting image of Alicia is the family's last clue to her whereabouts. As months pass with no updates on the case, Alicia's friends and family feel helpless. We were told to maybe search the Red Cross and they had nothing for us. They told us maybe to go to the police department, which in Mexico is so different than going to a police department in the United States. That was a little scary. To keep hope alive, Alicia's college friends and a few family members chip in to hire a private investigator, someone who is familiar with disappearance cases south of the border. When we got him to help us, that was one of the things that he did. He did go through books of people to see if, you know, any of those people matched Alicia's description or tattoos or anything. Alicia has a couple of tattoos, one on her back shoulder, and I'm not sure which side, but she has a couple on her legs as well. One on the back of her calf, and then there's one on her left ankle that she had surgery on. And so I provided those tattoo verifications to the different agencies down in Mexico for identification purposes. Shopping can be a lot of fun, right? But you know what else is fun? Saving money. And Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop. Get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every single category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, travel, dining, and so much more. You're already shopping at your favorite stores, so why not be saving while you're doing it? It's a no-brainer. Shop brands like Macy's, Blue Mercury, Petco, Nike, Urban Outfitters, Neiman Marcus, and so much more. 
Here's how it works. The stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the commission with its members. You get paid via check or PayPal quarterly. Maximize your savings by stacking cash back on top of other deals like store sales and coupons. Rakuten has 17 million members who are already saving. Why not join them? Membership is free and it's easy to sign up. Cashback rates change daily. Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app and start saving today. Your cashback really adds up with Rakuten. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey, Unsolved Mysteries listeners. I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone in any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. There's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for family members, and sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with Gift Mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for my fitness fanatic sister. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Thousands of miles away in Switzerland, Martin waits anxiously for any news about Alicia, frustrated because he's unable to help with the search. But he and Alicia's family remain hopeful that she will be found. I have a couple of different Facebook things that I watch that these are people that go down to Mexico and take pictures of like homeless people to try and reconnect them with their families. So I search through the photographs that they take of people because I, I honestly think that Alicia could fit in like the way she looks. She's got brown skin, brown hair. She could fit in in Mexico and not stick out like a sore thumb. The most frustrating thing for us is we're going on two years of her being missing and feeling like nobody cares. We're fighting this fight for her, but the people that were asking for help aren't assisting us, aren't taking an active role in this. They could have easily provided us with help to get the cell phone carrier to give us locations of where she pinged off of towers. And we couldn't get that. I went as far as getting into her computer and trying to figure out passwords to get into her phone bill so that I could look and see phone calls that had been made or texts that had been made. I even called them pretending I was Alicia so that I could put my name on the account and get information so that I could try anything to find out information. And any information I got, I would give to, at the time, our private eye. And he would see what he could do with it. There's a lot of things that go through my head. And I don't want to go to a dark place in that scenario. But the only thing I can think of is that she has either found some place that she is living or she's living on the streets. I have to think that she's somewhere because the other option is just 
too sad. My biggest fear is that she's no longer with us and we won't ever get her back. If she has passed away, we're never going to find her. To me, there are three scenarios I can think of. The happy scenario is she just disappeared, started a new life and could arrange her life somehow with this illness without too much hassle and everything, which seems to me pretty unlikely. Other thing is that she has some life, a homeless life. This was her biggest fear, she told me at the very beginning when she told me that she has this bipolar thing. We went to San Diego and there were many homeless people around and then she told me, you know, Martin, this this is what I'm the most afraid of, of this illness, that I end up like those people. And that could be that she's homeless. Imagine if she's living somewhere on the street, having no home, no, no health care, no nothing then probably by now she wouldn't be Dalisha, I know. The third case is, is the worst case. She's then, I mean, she just got killed by somebody or I don't know. I feel hope that Alicia is still with us because she wanted to be here. She wanted the future. She wanted to have her husband come here she wanted to have a relationship with her nieces. She wanted to just live. When we were together, it was always good. She is inspiring to me, and I guess I was inspiring her. We were a very good match, I think. I miss her company. This is what I, I miss the most. You can be lucky if you meet the person where you have such a match and I had it sadly only for a short time. I just continue with my life and I think every day on her actually. I just wish that she has peace. No pain and peace. Alicia Griffin was 46 years old at the time of her disappearance. She's five foot seven inches and weighs about 200 pounds. She has brown hair, brown eyes, and her ears are pierced. Alicia has two tattoos on her ankle, one on either side, as well as a tattoo of a red circle outlined in black on the back of her calf below her knee. If you have seen Alicia or have any information regarding her disappearance, please notify the Sacramento Police Department at 916 808 0621 or submit your tip at unsolved.com Next on Unsolved Mysteries We started looking at it and went and I realized that it wasn't a suicide note and we eventually received the scene photos and saw the gun placement saw that her hands were under a blanket and then we were like oh my goodness we don't think she did this Unsolved Mysteries is a production of Cosgrove Muir Productions and Cadence 13. It is executive produced by Terry Dunmuir and Chris Corcoran. Produced by Lloyd Lockridge, Christine Lenig, Courtney Ennis, Paige Heimson, and Paul Yates. 
The story producer for this episode was Caitlin Cutt, and it was edited by Kyle I. Kelly. From Cadence 13, editing, mixing, and mastering by Chris Basil, Andy Jaskowitz, and Bill Schultz. Production support by Sean Cherry and Ian Mont. Artwork and design is by Kurt Courtney. Publicity by Josephina Francis and Hilary Schuff. The original theme music was composed by Gary Malkin and Michael Boyd. Thanks for listening to episode 20 of Unsolved Mysteries.